humble hearts to worship and to give praise, amen, unto him. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. I want to invite my wife today to come, and she's going to share with you her testimony of what God has done in her life and in her family. And we are endeavoring to share with you the many things that God has done for us in the country of Brazil and Uruguay as we have ministered there for the last 36 years. May God bless you as she testifies tonight. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord and good to feel the presence of God and uh, just to know that he is with us every step of the way, no matter what situation we're facing, no matter the hurricanes or the COVID, the Lord is with us. And I'm thankful for his faithfulness, thankful for his love, thankful for the word of God that says go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It wasn't just a few chosen people, but his desire is that all of them will come unto repentance and come to experience what we are experiencing here tonight, the salvation that he has to offer. And we privilege people. Praise God. We have been saved. We have the promise to be one day with the Lord. Praise God. And I'm so thankful for the gospel. And you are a result of the gospel. I'm a result of the gospel. I am from the country of Uruguay. You probably noticed my accent. <laughs> and I'm here because as a result of missions. I'm here because many years ago, missionaries went to my country. And they started a little church in a neighborhood where my uncle used to live. And my mom and I had gone to visit him. I was only eight years old at that time. And we were visiting on a Sunday. And my uncle told my mom, I said, you know, I'm so glad you came. But tonight we have church. And we had never heard of church, <laughs> never heard of Jesus, never heard of anything. The Pentecostal experience, we didn't know what that was. But he started telling her about Jesus and how God had transformed his life. And my mom said, well, can we go with you? And I'm glad she did because that was the United Pentecostal Church that the missionary had started. And we went into the very humble, simple building. But you know what? The same God that was there many years ago, it's here today. It doesn't matter the building. It doesn't matter. God is in this place. And I'm thankful that God was there because I remember looking at my mom, and she cried the whole service. She had never felt the touch of God in her life before. And now she was feeling it for the very first time. How special. And she, we kept on going to that little church. We didn't leave close. We lived far away. It took us two buses, two hours to get to church. But we knew we were in the right place. And a few months later, my mom received the gift of the Holy Ghost. She was baptized in Jesus' name. I also received the gift of the Holy Ghost when I was eight years old. And when I was praying here at the altar, not here, but there, <laughs> at the altar, uh, I remember I felt a call of God in my life. And I ran to my mom and said, Mama, I feel that God is calling me to be a missionary. <laughs> eight years old. Hey, the children are the future of the church. They are future pastors, future missionaries. Praise God. And he can place a call in their lives as a young ch child. And I'm thankful he did. I'm thankful today I'm fulfilling that call. And uh, also we started witnessing to my dad. He also had never heard of Jesus. But he saw the transformation in my mother's life. And he agreed to come to service for the very first time. Church was starting. And we came into the door, just me and him. And 
He had never been there. So he said, let's just sit here close to the door, the exit. <laughs> he didn't know what to expect. But you know what? God had a plan then. <laughs> he has a plan today for you too. Praise God. And as we sat there, I sat beside him. And uh, the preacher started preaching. And same thing happened to my dad. I looked at my dad and he was crying. He had his eyes closed and he was saying, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. And as he was repenting, he raised his hands and received the gift of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> right there by himself in the last few. God is so good. I'm so thankful to the Lord. I am here because of missions. I'm here because somebody obeyed the call, the commission to go into all the world. And many times I think, where would I be if somebody wouldn't have gone? And I know it's hard. But I'm here also because of you. It's churches like you and people just like you that support missions around the world. So people like me today are part of the family. So when you give to missions, when you pray for missionaries, I want you to remember my story. Because I'm here today representing thousands, if not millions that today are part of the family of God because someone went and because you have sent them. So I want you to remember, one day that we, it's going to be pretty soon, I think, that we're going to be with the Lord. Praise God. That's going to be like a great family reunion because you're going to get to meet the rest of the family. And you're going to hear the stories, like mine. And it's going to be a wonderful time. We'll have eternity to rejoice, to be with Jesus. So thank you for giving to the Lord. Thank you for praying. Thank you for caring. Thank you for loving. May God bless you in Jesus' name. I came to South America as a young boy of 11 years of age with my parents to serve as missionaries in that country, very large country of 200 million people that need to hear and experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. I met my Uruguayan wife in 1980. 1984, we were married and immediately became engaged in missionary service as aimers and then as career missionaries for the last 35 years. We started our missionary career in the country of Brazil, yet in 2007 we added the country of Uruguay and have been active in both countries since that time. We are privileged and thankful for having given our lives in reaching these nations for Jesus Christ and thankful for churches and people like you that have given to the work of the Lord both through prayer and finance. Thank you for investing in the kingdom of God. Brazil and Uruguay, two very different nations, different landmass, language, customs, nevertheless in great need of able ministers to go into new areas and to touch the lives of other people with this saving gospel. I'm excited to share with you today that the church in Brazil 
has reached new levels of an indigenous church in supporting and sending six missionary families into different places in the world. Today, the country of Mozambique, Angola, Portugal, Guinea-Bissau, and Cabo Verde have missionaries preaching this precious gospel unto their people. This giving on the part of the Brazilian church has brought revival to its land. We continue to be involved in the country of Brazil by strengthening the work through teaching, training in that part of the world. Uruguay, a country to the south of Brazil, continues to move forward in spite of the agnostic and atheistic spirit that prevails in that land. My wife, a Uruguayan herself, is a result of a missionary endeavor and now serves as a missionary to her own country and Brazil. Let me introduce you to one of the pastors, Jose Lopes, who used to be involved in drugs and gang activity and had never heard of Jesus. Through a men's ministry outreach, he came to know Jesus Christ, repented of his sins, was baptized in Jesus' name, and received the gift of the Holy Ghost. After receiving training in one of our Bible schools and obeying the call that God had placed on his life, he and his wife went to another city and is now pastoring a church there. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same, commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And this is, in essence, the work that we are endeavoring to do in the country of Brazil and Uruguay, endeavoring to establish men and women in the work of the Lord, in the word of God, that they in turn may go into their own people and preach the saving gospel unto their own people. We have come today to ask that you join with us as a ministry partner to help us go and to continue the work that God has laid in our hearts to do. We are thankful today for churches like yourself that have chosen to give to world missions so that people like ourselves may fulfill the call that God has laid on our lives. We are in this together, and together we can make a difference. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. Amen. I believe that all of us here desire to make a difference. Amen. In our world today, in our communities. Praise the Lord. And we want to invite you to help the Walmer family return to the country of Brazil and Uruguay and there continue the work that God has laid upon us. Amen. To do there in that land. Amen. It is through partners in missions that you can help us go. It is by churches like yourself that have joined together with us as partners in missions that enable us to go and remain on the field, working among those people, training, uh, equipping, empowering people, young men and women, that they in turn may go into their own people and preach this wonderful truth. Can you say amen? I want to invite you today to consider supporting a missionary family. Amen. Giving $1 a day to missions. Amen. And committing that, amen, to a missionary family so that they in turn may go and preach this wonderful truth. It is because of somebody that went 
that my wife's family came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. It is because of a missionary. Amen. In fact, one thing that kind of just dawned on me right now, the missionary that went and started that church, amen, and won her family to the Lord, later, later on, later on married us <laughs> married us as uh, as, uh, as husband and wife amen and this particular missionary knew me before I was even born knew my parents before I was even born so we have quite a history there with 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 brother and sister Geisler who were missionaries in the country of Brazil at that time amen but uh, nevertheless we want to give you an opportunity to give and to um, to support a missionary family. Give through your local church. Support a missionary family and help them fulfill the call that God has laid upon their lives. Amen. Because the, the, the commission of Jesus Christ is for us all. It belongs to you and me. Amen. Together, we can make a difference as we fulfill the commission of Jesus Christ. Amen. I arrived in the country of Brazil as a small boy. I was only 11 years old when I went to the country of Brazil with my parents. They gave 42 years of missionary service to the country of Brazil, working in the extreme southern part of that country. And when we arrived in Brazil, we lived in the city of Rio de Janeiro, uh, um, a city uh, today that has 15 million people. And in that city, that was the city where we had the only Bible school in the entire, in the entire country. So uh, we lived right across the street. Many times I was in, uh, in the Bible school uh, fellowshipping with the students there. Those students today that were there at that time, and they played pranks, pranks on me and everything else. But those men today are our national leaders that are leading the church in the country of Brazil today. Amen. That is, that is the, the, the story of the gospel. That is the story, amen, of the kingdom of God. Because as men and women give, as churches like yourself give, Amen. Men and women in those countries are coming to know the Lord. They are, they are growing in the Lord. They are maturing, and today they are leaders. Amen. So, Brother DeMerchant, our missionary that, uh, that worked on the Amazon River in the northern part of Brazil, and my father in extreme southern Brazil, began to work together to expand the, the, the Bible school program in the country of Brazil because we quickly began to realize that just one Bible school wasn't going to, wasn't just, wasn't going to do it for the entire country. And so we, they began to, to work on this. They gave, uh, Brother DeMurta gave 50 plus years to, to the country of Brazil, my mother and father, 42 years. And today I gladly report to you that there are now 135 Bible schools in the country of Brazil equipping men and women, amen, that they in turn may go to the remote areas of Brazil, to the teeming cities, uh, with the cities of teeming millions of people that need to hear and to experience this wonderful truth. Amen. And uh, so the National Board has come to us recently and has, uh, has uh, asked my wife and I that we would engage in the training 
of teachers for these Bible schools. We need able teachers, and they have asked us to step into this role in preparing and equipping the teachers for these Bible schools. And so we have come today to ask that you would help us with this great task. We're talking about 135 Bible schools. That is uh, times seven, seven teachers each. You can imagine the number of people spread, spread out throughout that country. Brazil is larger than the continental United States, a very mammoth country. We have a, a, a tremendous challenge on our hands, but we ask you today that as we hold these seminars that you would be willing to sponsor one of these seminars in the country of Brazil during our next term. Amen. Starting in 2021, we shall be giving approximately eight seminars a year, endeavoring to equip and teach these teachers so that they in turn may step into the classrooms and teach our young Bible school students and send them into the remote areas of that country. Amen. We pray today that you would be willing to sponsor a a, a um a seminar, they come in just under $1,000 a piece, and possibly today you would consider that and help us with this particular need. Praise the Lord. Amen. Without further ado, I want to go into the word of the Lord uh, today and share with you something that God has placed on my heart for this service this evening. Amen. I pray that you would be willing to stand to your feet. Amen. As we prepare to go into the word of the Lord, take your Bible in hand. Amen. Praise the Lord. Take your Bible in hand and let us open up to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 8, and we're going to read verse 4. We're going to read verse 4. Amen. Amen. Give me just one second. I stepped out of our, out of our house and left my Bible at home in the basket of loneliness. Book of 1 Samuel chapter chapter 8, we're going to read verse 4 and all the way down to verse 10. Let me mention today, church, that we have a display out in the foyer where we would like to meet each and every one of you. We have several things there in the foyer, in the, in the display that we uh, offer to you. We have some Brazilian coffee, authentic Brazilian coffee there for those of you that need your morning mojo. Amen. Praise God. Can I, get a, can I get a witness? Amen. Praise the Lord. So, um, yes, we have that. We also have uh, several other artifacts of, of interest there for you. We have there some what we call revival pocket rocks. These are actually semi-precious stones that we've mined in the country of Brazil, or not we, but have been mined in the country of Brazil and Uruguay of all kinds of different shapes and colors, beautifully polished. And we call these revival pocket rocks. Because we're asking you to come by the display and get one of these before you leave and commit with us to carry it in your pocket or your purse, whatever's most convenient. And that every time you put your hand in your pocket and you feel that rock there, that you would commit with us today, amen, just to stop dead in your tracks and say a prayer for the Walmart family. Amen. So you're going to be down, say, at Walmart. And you're going to step up to the cashier and you're going to put your hand in your pocket to pull out that change and lo and behold, there's that pocket rock there. Amen. Brother Walmer, we use debit cards. 
Okay, just tape one to your debit card. Amen. And when you pull it out, there's that rock. And when and so you just you know you were committed, right? Hello, Amen. We're so we're, you just start, Lord bless the Walmers, give them revival in Brazil, open the doors. Lord Jesus of opportunity, open the windows of heaven in Jesus' name. When you open your eyes, cashier's looking at you. What are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm praying for my missionary down in Brazil. Amen. By the way, I go to the, uh, what is it, Praise Tabernacle? Praise Tabernacle of Praise here in here in uh, Fort Myers. And I want to invite you to come to our church. Amen. We've got an we've got an awesome church, and God has a plan for your life. Starts with a little revival pocket rock. Amen. We are asking a one dollar donation for each one, but as you give, Amen. As you contribute, God is going to give you revival. Amen. We need to live in revival. Praise God in this last day and age. Can you say Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. We also have a prayer card that we would like to place in your hand. Amen. We'd like for you to take one of these. These are free of charge. Please take one and put it in your Bible. We also have these in, the, in a magnet form that you can put on your refrigerator, and it will be a blessing to you. Praise God. Amen. Book of 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 4, and it reads like this. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah. And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the other nations, or like all the nations. But the, king, but the, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works that they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, Howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord. Amen. He protested. He explained to them what was going to happen unto the, unto the people that asked of him a king. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight, amen, a message uh, that I have entitled, Can Jesus Be King? Can Jesus be king? Praise the Lord. Let us, let us pray. Let us ask the Lord to uh, speak to our hearts tonight as, uh, as, he, as, as I endeavor to, to deliver this message. Lord, we are thankful today for your word. Thankful, Jesus, I pray for the precious spirit of God that has moved in this place. And I pray, dear God, that you would speak to your people before we leave tonight, that you would speak into their hearts, into their lives, concerning being king of their lives, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you honor and praise. And everyone say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. In our text tonight, we find where 
the, the people, the children of Israel, actually the leaders and the elders of the people came to Samuel and asked of him that he would anoint unto them or for them a king, someone that would be a king over the nation of Israel. We find where Samuel is saddened, he is uh, uh, saddened of this news, of this request, because as we know, the Lord, the Lord himself desired to be their king. God desired to rule and to reign over them. That is the desire of God in our lives today. He desires to rule and to reign over um, his people. And it saddened Samuel. It saddened him that the people had gotten to such a place. Just one chapter prior, they had seen a tremendous deliverance from the hand of God. God had delivered them from their enemies, the Philistines, and God had provided for them, and Samuel had, had lifted up a rock and had called it Ebenezer and said, Here, hitherto the Lord hath helped us. Amen. He was look, it was, it was, it was a look, it was a look into the past, into all the things that God had done for them in the past. But yet it was a look into the future. Amen. That if God had been with them up until this moment, surely God would be with them even unto the end of the earth, amen. Yea, I am with you, said the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Yea, I am with you, praise the Lord, even unto the ends of the earth, praise the Lord. My message tonight is, can Jesus be king? Amen, we have heard the expression many times, it's all about him. Yes, it is all about him as a king. The Bible is about a king, about his kingdom, his royal family, and his expansion plan. The Bible, amen, will not really make sense until we understand this concept. It is all about him. We are children of his. We are children of the kingdom of God. We have experienced a born again experience. Amen. And I want to emphasize a little bit about experience, the experience that we have in God, the experience that we have in salvation. Amen. Many of us could come here tonight and we could tell our stories and our testimonies. We could probably spend the entire night, amen, hearing the wonderful things that God has done to each and every one of us. I remember as a boy of seven years of age, amen, preparing for bed one warm July evening back in 1969. I was only seven years old at that time. And as I crawled into bed, my uncle came and knelt beside my bed and said to me, Michael, you need to give your life to the Lord. And I remember looking at him and saying, well, well no, not really, Uncle Tim. Am I going to wait till I'm 18? I don't know what hat I pulled that out of, but that's what I told him. Amen, I'm going to wait till I'm 18. And he said, no, today is the day of opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. Literally, he quoted the verse to me, and he said, today is the day for you to make a decision. And so I made a decision. Now, you must understand, I am a fourth-generation Pentecostal. I am a third-generation Pentecostal preacher in my family, second-generation Pentecostal missionary. But I still needed to have my personal encounter with Jesus 
Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. I still needed to have a personal experience. I'm going to talk a little bit about an experience. Yes, and it was there in my bed. Amen. The window was open. The wind was blowing the curtain in my face. I remember so vividly that day. Yes, it was a long time ago, but it is etched in my memory. Amen. Those vital details as I raised my little hands and as I began to worship and praise the Lord, as I began to call upon the name of the Lord, amen, and Jesus filled me with his Holy Spirit. I began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave me utterance to speak. And the following Sunday, I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. Praise the Lord. Yes, yes, I had an experience with God. I had an experience with the Lord. And that experience is very much alive in my life. Amen. It is peculiar that I would tell my uncle that I was going to wait till I was 18 to give my life to the Lord. I'm actually, I'm actually happy that I did not wait till I was 18. Because actually, when I was 18 years old, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't leave the church. No, I continued to love God and to serve the Lord. But I made a decision that I wasn't going to be a preacher. I had, I had, uh, I had felt a call of God on my life since that very young age. Since the age of seven, I felt a definite call of God on my life and, and felt that God was calling me to preach the gospel. In fact, I hung out with the preachers. In fact, uh, amen, we, would, uh, we would go to the fellowship meetings. And my dad, of course, would, would be uh, with, the, with the preachers. And I would stand beside my father with my little tie and my little suit coat and my little Bible. And he would tap me on the head and say, Mike, why don't you go outside and play with the other children? And I said, no, I want to be here with the preachers. I want to hear what the preachers are saying. And, and in Brazil, they called me the little preacher. Everywhere I went, I was the little preacher, amen, but at the age of 18, I decided, no, I am not going to preach the gospel, I am not going to be a preacher, I am going to make a name for myself, I began studying accounting, I was going to have an accounting business, an auditing business, and I was going to make a name for myself, and I began to tell everybody, I mean, these change of plans that I had made, and I found myself in, an, in a motorcycle accident on one of the roads that led to outside of the city of Porto Alegre where we lived in the country of Brazil and uh, the crowds of people came around to see the accident of course I am I am knocked unconscious I am laying on the pavement they pick me up and they put me into a taxi and they drive me uh, about 10 kilometers to a hospital and I lay on a cot for 6 hours with nobody uh, coming to see my condition and finally they were able to locate my parents uh, and my parents came to the hospital and uh, and the doctors came out of the woodwork and they began to work on me but quickly they quickly understood that there was nothing they could do for me they called my dad pulled him up pulled him aside and said Mr. Walmer unfortunately there's nothing we can do your son has a massive brain concussion he has he has so many injuries on his on his right side from the from his shoulder all the way down to his knee. Everything is shattered. Everything is torn. Everything is, is in bits. There's nothing we can do for your son. This is in 1982. This is in 1982.
this is a, a third world hospital. They told my father, he, you must prepare for his burial. Start the paperwork. My father, my father went and got my mom. And they climbed the, 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 the steps of that hospital to the third floor where there was a chapel, a Catholic chapel, lined with its idols and its candles lit to those idols. And it was there at the altar that they gathered hands and it was there that they prayed behalf of their son and God heard their prayer prayers went up across America on my behalf amen and God began to do a work in my life yet unbeknownst to them God had an encounter with me I had an encounter with God it was a Damascus road encounter God was renewing his call in my life he said Michael I have called you I have my hand on your if you are not going to follow after the calling that I've placed on you, this is it. This is the end of your run. If you're not going to follow my bidding, if you're not going to do my bidding, then this is the end of your run. Amen. God was showing me, amen, his, uh, his sovereignty. He was showing me, amen, that he was God. Uh, amen. My sermon tonight, my message tonight, can Jesus be king? Uh, amen. I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I will go. I will do, I will be whatever you want me to be. I will go wherever you want me to go. I'll, I'll say whatever you want me to say. God, I will be your man. And I began to recover. I began to do astounding. I began an astounding recovery. The doctors could not understand and to shorten this story, amen, about 10 days later, I walked out of that hospital on crutches and went home, amen. My friends came to visit me. They all had motorcycles, and I borrowed one of them, and I got on the bike, and I did a loop around the block and came back, amen. And, and the doctors never expected me to live, and they never expected me to walk, and they never expected me to ever again play sports or play soccer or anything else, Amen. But God did a miracle in my life. Amen. Yes, he did. I'm talking tonight about an experience. I'm talking about the experience. Because it is, in fact, church, the experience, the experience that leads us then to declare him our Savior. It is the experience. We can raise our hands and we can praise the Lord and tears can flow down our cheeks as we remember where he brought us out of. The sins that he has forgiven. Amen. The sicknesses that he has healed. So I can declare him my, my, my savior, but I can declare him as my faithful God. I can declare him as my healer. Amen. Because I have had an experience of healing in my life. Amen. It is because of the experience that allows me to declare him my savior. So I'm okay in declaring him my savior. I'm okay at declaring him my faithful God. I'm, declare, I'm, I'm okay in declaring him, amen, my forgiver, my healer. Because I have had an experience in these things. 
But it's not so easy to authentically begin to declare him king of our lives. It's not an easy thing to begin to declare him as king. Because we lack, in church, we lack, amen, many times the experiences as him, as him being king of our lives. I must hurry today. I must hurry. Amen. Declaring him a king, it demands a much greater commitment. It takes away too much of my own control. It demands I submit to his jurisdiction to his independence, to his rule. It takes the focus off of me and puts it on him. When I declare him king, it requires I be obedient to his unchanging word and decrees. When I declare him king, I lose the power of my vote because his kingdom is eternal, not democratic. And then I come to the realization that he is not a president with an expiring term. When I declare him king, it means I... I don't give him authority, but he is authority, and I must seek to walk in the authority that he offers me, because a king chooses his citizens and empowers them accordingly. The Bible says that he gave, told the parable of the one that gave talents to his servants, and he gave them talents according to their ability demands that I choose, it demands that I lose, excuse me, that I lose possession of my things and that I become a steward of his possessions, including his things. It demands I give up, it demands I live up to his reputation because a king's reputation is determined by the state and the condition of the citizens in his kingdom. So, the question I ask today is, what does he ask for to be king? Let me, let me remind you today that Jesus, Jesus will never knock down your door to become the ruler and the king of your life. But the Bible tells us that he stands at the door and he knocks. I don't know if you stop to think about that. He stands at the heart. The heart that he created. He stands on the outside of that heart that he made. He stands at the, at the door of that heart knocking, waiting for an invitation. Waiting for you and I to say, please come in, Lord Jesus. Take possession of my life. Amen. So what does he ask for to be a king? First of all, he asks for allegiance. First of all, I must be obedient. 1 John 2 and 3 says, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And he said, if someone claims, I know God, I know him, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know that we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Chapter 5, verse 3 of 1 John says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. 
So for the Christian, for the Christian, what is the acid test of obedience? The acid test of obedience for the Christian is to live a repentant life and look for ways to please God. Every day, we must live to our very best. We must live a repentant life. Every day, we must place our lives on the altar of Jesus Christ. Amen. We must declare him king. Amen. And look for ways to please the Lord. But not only does he ask for my allegiance, he also asks for my sovereign. He asks for sovereignty. It, it, it is, I must be willfully surrendered to him. Sovereignty, supreme power or authority, autonomy, independence, self-government, self-rule, self-legislation. Core meaning is the supreme authority within a territory who is king within the territory of your heart. Amen. John Bowden, philosopher and jurist of the 16th century, uh, defined sovereignty as, uh, uh, said, said that sovereignty cannot be divided, that it must necessarily reside in one person. So we come to the conclusion that you and God cannot be sovereign at the same time. That you must, you must surrender your sovereignty to him. If he is to be king, that I must surrender my sovereignty, that is my own will, my own self-will. I must surrender it, uh, amen, to the Lord uh, so that he can be sovereign in my life. The Bible says, take my yoke upon, take, take my yoke upon you, says the Lord Jesus, and learn of me, and for I am, I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. Yes, he desires to be sovereign in our lives. Not only sovereign, but he desires to have dominion. I must willfully concede his property, his ownership, because I do not belong to myself. I have been bought with a price. He paid the price shedding his blood on Calvary's tree. He he purchased me. I am his. I belong to him. Amen. I must give him dominion. Praise the Lord. Amen. You'd never say the president has dominion because we live in a democracy. Dominion implies absolute power. Amen. Lordship, property, ownership. So what is the acid test of dominion in the life of the Christian? It is stewardship. Christian stewardship refers to the responsibility that Christians have in maintaining and using wisely the gifts that God has bestowed upon us. They are his gifts. They are God's gifts. And I am just a steward of those things that God has given to me. Amen. Yes, not only is it sovereign not only is it sovereignty and not only is it dominion but it is also devotion it is willful loyalty and commitment to him and his will in other words it is here that we find true worship it says no servant can serve two masters for either
either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is that false object of worship or devotion. And I boldly say today, there's not one of us here today. There's not one of us here today that doesn't have some type of false object of worship and devotion. Where we must come and surrender it unto God. He knows our hearts. You know your heart. He said, thou shalt love the Lord, with the Lord thy God, with all of thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. The acid test of devotion is my willingness to love and to serve others. Yes, because as I love and serve others, it is here that I give proof. It is here that I give evidence of my love for God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So in closing today, you may be asking me, Brother Walmer, how is it that how is it that we can how is it that we can give ourselves? How is it that we can give ourselves and declare him king of our lives? And the answer that I give tonight, the only answer I believe there is, is when we live lives that are full of the Holy Ghost. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Ephesians, he said in chapter 5, verse 18, he said to the Ephesians, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled. And sometimes in our, in our mindset, we are just taking a, uh, a recipient of water and, and filling yet another or taking a gas, a gas pump and filling our gas tank. But when you look at the original word in, in the Greek, the word Plato, it has, it has the connotation of pressure. It actually means the same pressure that the wind would put on a sail. And it would fill that sail to its maximum. And then it would begin to move that ship through the water. It is that pressure. It is that very breath of God that we need to feel upon our lives to be guided and to be led and to be moved by His Spirit. I believe, church, that during this COVID pandemic that God has endeavored to breathe on us and to move us into different directions and to move us into become different Christians. The men and women of God that God has called us to be, he has endeavored to breathe on us that we would become those people that he has intended all along for us to be. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. And it also has the connotation, amen, of, of permeation. Not only does it mean to put pressure on us, but it also has a meaning of, of permeation. 
In other words, I could take a, 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 a glass of water and I could drop inside that glass of water a couple tablets of an Alka-Seltzer and it will begin to fizz and it will begin to dissolve and in just a little bit that, that water is no longer the same. Its color has changed. It's now a murky color. And it's and if and if you can and if you can check the pH factor, the pH factor has changed as well. The taste has changed because that Alka Seltzer has permeated the entire glass of water. The Holy Spirit desires church to permeate in the most uh, the most uh, uh, profound and the most uh, darkest regions of our hearts. Amen. Endeavors to permeate our lives. Maybe we need to be filled with the power, with the Spirit of God. Maybe we need to open some compartments of our heart so that the Holy Spirit can penetrate into the recesses of our lives. And last but not least, last but not least, Plato means complete domination and control this word is used throughout the gospels and other parts of the new testament in every instant we have where this word was used they were taken over with anger taken over with sadness taken over with with with, with fear and the, and the the Apostle Paul uses this word that we would be filled, that we would be controlled, that we would be dominated by the presence of the Spirit of God. Can Jesus be king? I ask you in closing today, who is sitting upon the throne of your life? Possibly yourself needs to get up off your own throne. And you need to give way to Jesus that he may be king of your life today. I want to invite you to stand and I would invite you today to come to this altar. Amen. If anything at all, to be filled with his spirit. If anything at all, to make confession. Amen. Of faults and failures. Of anything at all, amen, to be filled with the power of God. To make Jesus and declare him king. Amen. Declare him king of your life today. Hallelujah. Would you come to this altar today? Would you step out of your seat as a church? Let us all come forward. Amen. Find a place of prayer for just a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, I want you to be king of my life. Rule and reign in my life, Lord Jesus. Be king of my life, Lord. Be king of my life, Jesus, of my thoughts, of my, of my plans.
surrender to him, give my life to him, amen, because we know without him we are, we are nothing, 
We have no future. We have no hope. We have nothing without the Lord. And I want him to be king in my life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, uh, Brother Walmer, for that message. Thank you for being here. Great testimony of you and your wife and all that God is doing. Amen. And we want to be a blessing to them. Amen. So be sure to greet them and, and visit their table out there. At the very least, get a revival rock. But uh, let's be a blessing to them tonight. Amen. Thank you. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.